It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Hey, y'all. Who dat? And welcome in. This is Inside Black and Gold, a special post draft edition. I'm Jeff Nowak. I will be joined here shortly in a special kind of format. Steve Geller, my esteemed co-host, and also Charlie Long, who we work with at WWL Radio. He does a great job producing sports talk every day. He joined Steve and myself on a special draft fest kind of recap episode, which aired on WWL Radio Sunday morning and And the first thing I want to do is apologize to our listeners. I did have a bunch of plans, great best laid plans to throw a bunch of content in the feed and kind of keep you updated after every pick, after every day of the draft. Well, the draft got the better of me. I ran out of time. Every time I was about to post something, it was like, oh, the Saints made a trade and it was too late. So we kind of went dormant there for a couple days. So I wanted to come back and give you all of the content I could in this episode. So I went through and I stripped out a lot of the radio elements So you're not going to be hearing us throwing to ads or anything like that. But we did get into a lot about every single Saints draft pick, about the trades, about what our expectations are. We heard from callers. We threw a bunch of audio in there. So I hope you all enjoy this. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Give us a rating. Give us a review. It really helps us out. Now that we're through the draft, we have a lot that we're going to target. We're going to have rookie minicamp coming up. And we're obviously going to have training camp. So make sure to get subscribed. Hit us up on YouTube at WWL Sports. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. I think Charlie did a really good job in this episode. I'm hoping that we can get him back on for some more guest spots going forward. And, you know, we're really trying to grow this thing going into next season. It's in year two. I think we have a chance to really kind of expand our listenership. So if you know anyone that's looking for a new podcast that you think would be interested in, have them come hit me up or have them subscribe or whatever they want to do, but make sure to let them know. Let all your friends know, let your family know, whatever. Throw it out there. Would always appreciate it. Listen to Inside Black and Gold. And without further ado, here is the first segment of our Draft Fest recap show. Thanks so much for listening. And guys, just in general, uh, I feel pretty good about this draft. Charlie, uh, I know you were in for the long haul too the last couple of days. What's your you know, overall take uh, right off the bat of seeing this Saints draft class of 2023? Are you guys surprised that we picked seven players? <laughs> I kind of am. Yeah, gonna, yeah. Well, I especially because they had three trades on the I know. last day. Like, Well, they went the first two days, the first three rounds, without being able to make a trade. Right. And then yesterday they made three. They make two to get up in the fourth round, and then they make that final one with Adam Troutman to get back into the sixth and take A.T. Perry. Yeah, and when you say not being able to, they, like that's very they much tried. what happened. They were trying. They yeah, absolutely they, tried. They wanted to trade. It seems it pains them not to be able to yes. trade up. Yeah, you could see it on Dennis Allen's face when he came down after the, after the <laughs> second day. It was like, oh, you guys haven't didn't make a trade for the first time in like eight years, and he just I was like, oh, we were trying. <laughs> guys, 24 straight times trading up. 
without yeah. trading down. Yeah. Since 2007, they had their draft philosophy. They went through with it. They got the players that they wanted. So how can you not really be happy with this draft class? I am. I think they filled a lot of needs. I don't know about you guys. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of positional needs entering the weekend, and they filled almost all of them. So, I mean, the one thing that they didn't really get was a tight end. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the biggest question like, left right they now. They got rid of a tight end. They got ri- <laughs> In fact, they absolutely did. They did the opposite. Rid of Troutman. So, I mean, looking at the draft class for weeks, we'd been saying that this was one of the best tight end classes in years and you didn't get a single one that's the one kind of smudge on this this weekend but other than that i'm really happy with the class overall well, it does make you wonder if maybe this season they are going to be committed to Taysom hill at tight end it's kind of been a running joke that they haven't been using him at tight end but if they're comfortable with their rider their tight end room as they said they were and as their actions would have indicated then maybe they that's kind of them being like okay well last year this was the plan we didn't get to it really but now this year we're going to really kind of incorporate that. I also think they're expecting another step from Jawan Johnson with Derek. Well, Hart. sure, but you still need bodies behind oh, him, right? Like you're going to need. What if he gets hurt? Lucas Kroll season. That's what I no, too, I mean right? he's there, <laughs> but yeah, but like what if, if Jawan Johnson goes down? I don't know what you do. So I think they have to bring somebody in. But first things first, let's go through what Each the pick? actual picks. Were, yeah, right? absolutely. So let's just make sure everyone's on the same page here. Round one, pick twenty nine, Brian Brzee, defensive tackle out of Clemson. My grade on this is only slightly dinged by the fact that I think they would have preferred Miles Murphy, and they said they would yeah. they would have taken either. But there's always a preference, right? Like if you put them both on the board, you are taking one before the other, and I think they would have gone with Miles Murphy if he was on the board. He went to the Bengals one pick earlier. That's the only reason I don't necessarily love that pick, but I still think it's a great pick. Snipes happen. I mean, they have been. Yeah. You're, you're completely right. I think they would have taken Miles Murphy had the Bengals not taken him at 26 or 28 overall. I still think it's an okay pick. We talked to Pete Jenkins earlier in the week, I think on Wednesday. Yeah. And Pete kind of had a few things to say about him. Like, it was the scheme that he was in at Clemson where he didn't have that much production and obviously he had gotten injured in his freshman year. He was a really highly recruited high school yeah. prospect. Guy Number that's got, one recruit. Yeah, exactly. So he was, he's got a high ceiling. Uh, it's just if he can reach his potential. So, yeah, it's a question with these Saints first round picks it might be the biggest question I have honestly of all of their selections in this draft the production was there early on with Brzee but you know you have to the injuries that happen later on obviously the unfortunate events with his sister passing away from cancer life happens but it doesn't you know it still needs to translate in production and so that's going to be interesting to me. I think uh, that's someone I'm going to be watching very carefully come training camp. Interested to see how he does in the Saints system and how he reacts against, you know, going up against the O-line here. But overall, like you said, it was a need uh, for this team that needed, that was filled and was pretty impressed that, you know, with round two, they go back to back, adding to that D-line again, too. At the end of the day, I think if he stays healthy, it was a good pick, right? Like, that's the bet you're making. And it's just a bet they've made a lot. And that's why you kind of feel leery of it (laughs) yes exactly Um, but i think that's it because i don't really care about the numbers right like defensive tackle it's not about gaudy sack totals it's about okay are you drawing double teams are you opening up lanes for the linebackers to get up is the mario davis eating yeah but it's not necessarily right like if you were doing your job and you're stopping the run and you're taking a double team you're not creating a pressure but you are opening a lane for demario davis right he set a personal record in sacks last year part of it was because he was the one getting the pressures and so you need the defensive tackles to eat double teams and create lanes and sure if you can get to the quarterback and you can pressure him that's great but that's not the first priority of a defensive tackle. It's stopping the run, and it is eating a double team. And so that's kind of like, as if he's on the field as a rookie, I'm happy about it. Hopefully Brissy can kind of break the trend of 29th overall picks, because I don't know if y'all have looked at it. 
the last it's decade have not yeah. been very good. It's yeah. it, like dating back to 2013, Cordero Patterson is the best 29th nice. overall pick. Like since then, it's been Cordero Patterson. Then 2014 was Dominique Easley. Mm. 2015, Philip Dorsett. 2016, Robert Kandichi. 2017, David Njoku has had a pretty solid start to his career. Sure. He's been solid. He's, he's been all right. Yeah. 2018, Taven Bryan, who's going to be just, I mean, a journeyman at this point. I remember point. all that hype around Kandichi, man. Oh. Right. Kandichi <laughs> was really, really good, good at Ole Miss. And then, learned how to spell his name and everything. <laughs> right. 2018, uh, Taven Bryan, as I said. 2019, LJ Collier. 2020, Isaiah Wilson, one of the worst busts in recent years. Uh, 2021, Eric Stokes went to the Packers. 2022, Cole Strange to the Patriots. Yeah, so I mean, it it hasn't been very good uh, with 29th overall pick. So, so we're due, we're due. Yeah, for hopefully Breezy can kind of change the tides. I keep muting my mic by accident because uh, I want to drink coffee because I desperately need coffee because I am exhausted. <laughs> so keep that in mind. If I sound like in, unintelligible at points throughout this broadcast, it's because I am. Well, I am. It's been a long week. Although I did get sleep last night. I'm, I'm just like it takes me two days to like reset from the from the four hours of sleep I get over three days. To the 10 hours I get on one day. Sure, you get up today and it's still like that haze of, wait a minute, what just happened to us? Yeah. Okay, so the plan was to just run through these picks, but we ended up spending four <laughs> minutes on Brazil. That's fine. Let's go quickly on the he next, was your number one guy, the so. next six. Yeah, and, and as from a mock draft perspective, we put a ton of these out there. I named Brian Brzee, Isaiah Foskey, and Kendry Miller. We put out four mock drafts, and I got all three of those in one or the other. So I feel like that's a success Steve, Steve was over four. Absolutely right. Yeah, I had nada. There was not, not so a single name. I will take that as a win. Anyway, going forward, yeah. So one of the reasons I think you're okay with the Brzee pick now that you see how it developed is they did end up with Isaiah Foskey, defensive end out of Notre Dame. You do wonder if they ended up with Miles Murphy. That's got to be a different pick. And I think they did reach a little bit for Foskey. So we'll have to get into that. But going forward, I think this pick really tied it off and hit the biggest need that everyone had, which was running back Kendry Miller at number 71 at a TCU, coming for Alvin Kamara's job. But one way or another, like he's a one-cut back. He's exactly what they needed. He's what they were hoping to get out of Mark Ingram last year. I think he was just one year too far down the line of his career to really be successful at it. But that's one of my favorite picks of this draft by anybody. I like the fact that you, you, know, you mentioned Mark Ingram. Unfortunately, it seems like the last – Lasting memory that we're going to have of him is that unfortunate step out of bounds against Tampa Bay. I, there's a chance he could be re-signed, but you know I, I don't yeah. expect him to be back at, with his team in the mix. He might end up on the practice squad, kind of like Latavius Murray last year, and you know, like because veterans do that now. That's in, one of these changes of the game day call-ups is you can stash a veteran on the practice squad, and they can have a chance to contribute for a couple games, four games throughout the season. But yeah, I don't think he's going to get back on the active roster. But with Miller, yeah, love the attitude, love the production we've we, you know you see from him, and uh, especially that one clip that you had tweeted out of mm-hmm. the just that, that yeah. able to stay upright was absolutely amazing. It was like, yeah. he really, you know, you talk about Alvin Kamara being in the Matrix. He looked like that in that, that clip as well. Yeah, I was really impressed with Miller. <laughs> At TCU this past season, he was fantastic. He was a big reason why they had such a great season all the way to the national championship game. He didn't he play did, in he the did national not play, championship game. Correct. Yep. He did not play in that. I don't think he really would have made that big of a difference in such you a You never blowout. know. I think, you know, that game, it's like when you're playing Georgia, you just have to stay within – Within shouting distance, you have to control the ball. Philadelphia South. Yeah, and they, yeah, right. We'll we'll see how Kendry Miller does when they play the Eagles again. You're right, 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 right. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, maybe, yeah, he'll maybe he'll treat it as a personal challenge because he didn't get to show off in that championship game. 
Yeah, I still think he had an awesome season. I think this oh, yeah. is a guy that they had obviously kind of put on their board as one of their top running back prospects, and, and they went out and got him. Because some people thought that they reached for Kendra, and I think like if you like a guy that much in the third round and you want to draft a running back that high, go get him. I think They were talking about trading up in the third round. I'm pretty sure if they traded up, they would have taken him. To go get him. Yeah, right. they, were, they were thrilled he was still on the board when they picked it. I know a lot of people are upset they didn't go Tajay Spears. Or Devon A-Chain. But again, and we talked about this yesterday, take Tulane out of the equation. Right? Why are you taking Tajay Spears over Kendra Miller? Right? Give me the give me the reason. And it's like the Saints aren't going to use that hometown storyline. That's not factoring into their equation. If anything, it might drop them down because they see it as a distraction. Mm-hmm. So like, if you just put these two guys on a line, you're taking Kendra Miller. Uh, and so like, I don't mind that. Like the Steelers took Kenny Pickett last year. If he didn't go to Pitt, I don't think he ends up in Pittsburgh. Right? And I don't think that's the right way to draft. I really don't. I think Tajay's obviously still an immensely talented back, though. Oh, you know, he's um, great. He's great. It's going to be interesting to see if he ends up, you know, taking the crown from King right. Henry in Tennessee. But he's, but that's just not what the the Saints needed out of that back. They needed a power one cut runner who has some ability in the passing game, and so that's what they got. Anyway, let's go through these really quick. Day three trades start right <laughs> away Bam, yeah, before right. the draft. The Saints send one fifteen and one sixty seven to the Bears. Trade up to one hundred three. I think that's a steal. Right, they moved up twelve picks and they gave up their second fifth. Because you look at what the Eagles had <laughs> I was to give say, up. Then everybody else started following. Yeah, the suit. Raiders <laughs> traded in right behind him. The Eagles traded in right behind them. The Eagles gave up a twenty twenty four third to yep. move up to one hundred five to move up two picks behind the Saints. Like that's a that's a pick. That's a real pick. Like the Saints just got Kendra Miller in the third round, and the Eagles did it to trade up and just get another Georgia guy <laughs> and Keely Ringo. But the Saints get Nick Saladavari. Offensive lineman at of Old Dominion, a guy who I think is going to shift into guard, as what Dennis Allen said. But right. one of the reasons they liked him is he has the flexibility to kick out to tackle if they need it. And that's always a big thing with the Saints. Yes. They always talk about that cross the cross positional flexibility. It's why Cesar Ruiz is here, right? It's why James Hurst is here. Mm-hmm. Anthony Bradford was another example. Everybody freaking out. Why did they take Anthony Bradford? Well, again, take LSU out of that equation. And why are you taking Anthony Bradford? I, I think this is a solid pick. He's a guy who's going to have to prove some stuff, but going down, next pick, also a trade, 227 and a 24 fourth to the Bears to take Jake Hayner out of Fresno State. He's a Drew Brees clone. We'll talk more about that. Going down, then you pick the guy who's probably, if you go forward a couple years, it's going to be the guy you forget. <laughs> In Jordan Howden, he reminds me of a Saquon Hampton, <laughs> right? Like, he has a chance. I think he's a good, he'll be a good special teams player, but he's not going to make any waves. Jordan Howden, safety out of Minnesota. I was going to say, are you hoping maybe he turns into that P.J. Williams type of player? I mean, I'm hoping he can get on the field as a safety. I'm hoping he can be a gunner. I, I, if anything, J.T. Gray is my like that's what I was just thinking yeah like Justin Hardy like I think he's a guy you take hoping he can stand out on special teams and maybe two three years down the road grows enough to be that center fielder safety when we interviewed him uh yesterday he had said that he has a lot of experience in yeah. special teams yeah, like 400 so that's snaps obviously year. why they went and got yep. him I think maybe he develops onto a defensive player but he's going to be a special teams guy no question and then the final pick that the Saints made did I miss one no 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 got okay. them all the final pick the Saints made, also a trade. They sent Adam Troutman, tight end Adam Troutman, to the Broncos. See ya. And pick 257. Thank you. To, right. To bring back 195. <laughs> and we were talking in the in the reporter's room about, like, man, what a slight to Adam Troutman that you couldn't just trade him for a sixth-round <laughs> yeah, pick. Right. You had to include the 257. <laughs> and I responded, like, I almost feel like the Saints were like, can you just take this? We don't right. want to hang around and make this pick. And if we have it, we have to do something with it. Yeah. So just please just take it. Take it. Take it off our hands. <laughs> and so they did that. They moved up to 195, which is a pretty big jump. It's a full round. 
You know, they moved up 62 picks to take A.T. Perry, wide receiver out of Wake Forest, a guy who I think dropped because, and this is his words, character concerns. He told us that, and we don't know exactly what they were, but it has to be character concerns because he didn't get hurt really. And you look at the production, his last two years at Wake Forest, he like 27 touchdowns in 28 games. Incredible production. I think 150 catches, like 2,000 yards. Uh, 6'3", about 200 pounds, exactly what they need. They haven't had a 6'3 wide receiver since they shipped, since they converted Juwan Johnson to tight end and they got rid of little Jordan Humphrey, um, who was also on the Broncos. <laughs> Dennis Allen said that that trade kind of developed throughout the middle of the day. Like They didn't know that... Sean Payton might have wanted Adam Trouton, but they were like, he drafted him. Might as well. And so I think that's a really good – that's one of my – that's my second favorite pick in this draft because he fits exactly what they need if the character concerns weren't real, which it didn't sound like they are, and they can just get a very productive, big-bodied receiver out of him. I think it's great. It's going to be a watch for Saints camp, watching him go against Brian Edwards and yep. Traquan Smith for the back end of that wide receiver rotation. I think he's really good. I watched a lot of tape on him. He's what Mike called a very tall drink of water. (laughs) He's a guy that can make those contested catches. I think he's more of like a third down receiver, someone that you can kind of trust to go up and get a big catch. So I'm really excited to see how he does. Just and I think he's he said he put out a tweet. I think like you're not going to regret this at Saints, and he loved to see that kind of like he's ready to go out there. He's like a bulldog. When you take a guy in the sixth round, you want you're hoping that's a chip on his shoulder as opposed to like a guy like Kayshawn Booty, like. I hope he takes going in the sixth round as a slight that he's going to work harder from. Because if he doesn't, it's a problem. Uh, I laughed. I have a, a buddy of mine who's a big Patriots fan. He's telling me, he was calling me about the you know the pick, and he's like, oh, everyone on the, the Patriots draft board is calling this the steal of the draft. And I'm oh, like, well, yeah. pump, pump the brakes a little right no, there. No, he went exactly where <laughs> I've been saying he was going to go all month. And uh, so hopefully he learns from it because he's a great player. Just got to work hard. Want to get to one of our favorites, Big John and Metairie, checking in. What you want to say about this year's draft, Big John? What up, man? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good. What's up, Big John? I think the quarterback from Fresno State, I was looking at that kid the whole time. I think he's a steal of the draft. Derek, uh, Jameis Winston's going to be going. I can tell you that right now. Mark my words, when this kid gets a little bit of experience and learns how to read the defenses and the speed of the game, he is going to be a fantastic quarterback. That's my opinion. I want to know what y'all think. Big John, there was one random night, and I'll occasionally just watch college football games during college football season. There's one random Saturday night. It was week eight of this past season. I started watching at like 10.30. Fresno State started playing San Diego State. Fresno State was down 28-17 to in that game with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. They had the ball at their own 20, and they won. They won 32-28 to in that game, and Jake Hayner led this crazy two-minute drive. Then they got the onside kick, and like the first play after the onside kick, they scored another touchdown. They won that game 32-28. to In that game, he threw two interceptions, but 34-45, of 394 yards, and three touchdowns. He impressed me so much. He was just a dog in that game. So A bulldog, you might say. There you go. I really like the pick <laughs> as well. Uh, I think he's probably my third favorite pick of this draft class, but just after watching that game, I just knew that this guy was going to be an NFL draft prospect. He was so accurate in, in like such a clutch situation. I really liked watching him play. Well, he's a very intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. And if he once he learns, I think he's got to learn the speed of the game and the defense is a little better. But once he does that and he starts making some adjustments and if Derek Carr, he really starts uh, learning on the Derek Carr, he, he's going to beat James Winston out. I'm telling you that right now. Both both Fresno this, State guys. Yeah. I think this guy can be on a field in two years. I really do. Yeah, so the way I look at it is right. I, I like the timing of this pick. Right. I, I like Jake Hayner. I like his pedigree. 
I like that he wears number nine. He grew up idolizing Drew Brees. Like, if you're trying to find a Saints quarterback of the future, probably not the worst option, right? But I also like the timing of it because I think it is, this is exactly when you need to bring in a guy to not only see if he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think that's, that is challenge one for him. Challenge one is, can you be a functional backup? Can you be a backup quarterback that this team can trust? Because this year, he's going to compete with Jameis Winston. I think Jameis is kind of like in the third turn if this was a race. Like, he would have to kind of stumble, I think, for Jay Kaner to beat him out this year, which is possible, right? It's not out of the question. But I think what you're trying to figure out this year is, can we look at Jay Kaner as the backup going into next season, year two with Derek Carr, because that's when you can say, these are the two quarterbacks on the roster, and Jake Hayner is learning. And then, you know, who knows whether Derek Carr is going to be here beyond two seasons. You got an out after year two, and I think that's when you start answering that question. Do we start looking at the young guy? Do we start looking at Derek Carr maybe moving on? And so this year, what I need to see from him is that he can pick up the offense that if you needed to go to him in a backup role, you could trust him. Because I don't think Ian Book ever got to that point. Both fourth-round picks, right? Like, they're in very similar situations when they come into this roster. Ian Book was behind Taysom Hill, right? And I think that's what you need to see. You need to see him grow throughout the season to a point where you feel comfortable with him. And so that's my goal for him. I'm not talking about him beating out Jameis Winston. I'm talking about watching him in camp and feeling like this guy can play at the speed he needs to play at. Because when I watched Ian Book, every time I was like, he is playing way too slow. Every ball is coming out of his hand about a half second later than it needs to be. And that's what I want to see Jake Hayner do better. Yeah, the thing for me, too, with this pick, I just want to see the Saints being able to develop a quarterback. Uh, yes, something, Yeah, it's something we have not – I haven't been a witness to since coming here. You know, I was Garrett Grayson was a, a pick of this team. You mentioned Ian Book, but never really seen uh, the team draft a quarterback and develop them. And obviously, when you have someone like Drew Brees, it's it's a little tougher. And that guy could have been Patrick Mahomes, but we know the, the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs done. ended up I'm jumping ahead of there. I'm done talking about that. I'm done. <laughs> it, it's a little, a little bitterness, you know, from the Houdat Nation. Yeah. I kind of said A.T. Perry was one of those guys I was really looking forward to watching in camp. Jake Hayner's that next guy. Yeah. I want to see if he can beat out James. Well, you're going to watch both spot. of them because I'm sure Jake Hayner is going to be the guy throwing to A.T. Perry a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really actually looking forward to seeing those two guys in camp. I like Jake Hayner as a prospect. I, I just said that I had watched that one game, and he impressed me so much. And then I also watched bowl season. He played, I think, Washington State in bowl season, and I think they won that game as well. Where senior I saw, bowl guy. Yep. Yeah, a senior bowl, a senior bowl MVP. Senior bowl MVP. Oh, right. man. I, would, right. I, would try, I reached out to the senior bowl trying to get their, you know, the head Jim of their – Yeah, Jim Nagy on with us to talk about – that being a breeding ground, basically, for all this black and gold talent. And once again, proved again this year. How many of this draft class do you know offhand was at the uh, Senior Bowl? At least three. I don't know if A.T. Perry was there. I didn't look that up, but obviously Jay Kaner. Obviously, yeah, the, the, Isaiah, now they have the MVP Fos- of yeah, the Senior Isaiah, Bowl. Isaiah Foskey. <laughs> and uh, I, I haven't looked to see if A.T. Perry was there. But um, either way. Was Saldaveri there? I don't think so. Okay. Um, but you look at it and, you know, I feel vindicated by just me talking about the senior bowl constantly as like a proving ground for the Saints yeah. because every year you are looking at at least one or two picks. Like they're always going to spend if either a first or a second, it almost seems like. Like the year they didn't have a first round pick in 2019, they ended up with Eric McCoy in the second right. round. You might as well call senior bowl pre-draft Saints camp. No, that's why you have to be there if you're, if you're covering the Saints. Like there's no choice because you know you're either you're going to see at least one of their picks right. on that field at some point. 
And even uh, a guy like the one year I got to go to the Senior Bowl, Tano Passanio was there. He didn't get drafted by the Saints, but yeah. he's on the roster Nathan now. Nathan Shepard. There you go, Colin right. Saunders. <laughs> you know, like the, even the guys they bring in in free agency a lot of times are, are Senior Bowl guys. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Abram was there. Pretty his, strong connection, right? Yes, no question. Speaking of which, you all want to go through the undrafted free agents? Yeah, let's, let's go through them, uh, or at least by name. And then I do yeah. want to break down a few because there's – is <laughs> one of them is kind of hilarious in terms of like his background is he's crazy but yeah so <laughs> as always you get the kicker and the punter and mm-hmm. i think it's it's more about just you need someone to kick and punt at rookie minicamp than anything else right right blake groupie kicker out of notre dame and lou headley punter out of miami he's if you want to google lou headley you're gonna have a you're gonna, gonna have a, like, quite a rabbit hole to go down it's like another rock and roll punter like gilligan very much so <laughs> yeah he's got like full body tattoos he owned a tattoo shop at one point he's from australia he got shouted out by The Rock. I'm pretty sure he went to wow. Miami because of The Rock. He wore The Rock's number because The Rock obviously played at Miami, Dwayne Johnson. He was Dwayne Johnson then. He wasn't The Rock then. Mm-hmm. They, he didn't have The Rock on the back of his jersey, but he played at Miami. Anyway, going forward, Joel Wilson, tight end out of Central Michigan. He's interesting. But the guy that's really exciting is Nick Anderson, linebacker out of oh, Tulane. Tulane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I confirmed that yesterday, and the, he's excited. He's very excited. That's, that's what awesome. told me. Anthony Orgy. Linebacker out of Vanderbilt, and I confirm that's how you say his name. It's O-R-J-I. Um, that's going to be a fun one for Mike Haas. I was going to say, I also can't wait for the Cajun candidate <laughs> yeah. to chime in on that name. <laughs> yeah, last year we got Smoke Monday. Now we have or- Orgy. Orgy. Oh, 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 you know, if, you know, I won't even go there. Yeah, we, don't, we don't need to get too far down that one. Right. Then <laughs> uh, Shaq Davis, wide receiver out of South Carolina State, HPUCU kid. Good to see. Mark Evans, the second. Offensive tackle out of... Arkansas Pine Bluff, going back to Ooh. the well, huh? If you remember, it's Teron Armstead's uh, stomping, stomping grounds. grounds yeah. yeah. Uh, so Mark Evans, the second. Alex Philstrom, which it took me a while to, to figure out how to spay that, spell that name. Uh, and then he's the center at Illinois. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson, that's S A Roderick, not Sir Roderick. It sounds like a Game of Thrones character a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah, he's running back out of Texas Tech. Then Cy Barnett, wide receiver out of Davenport. Now, if you haven't looked up this kid, you know, he's a 4-3-40 guy. He also kicks field goals and punts for them. Oh, I was going to say, I don't even know where Davenport is. No, they got it's rid of Marcus East, Davenport, so they brought in a wide receiver <laughs> out of Davenport. Gotcha. Yeah, he once had an 87-yard punt. Oh, wow. Yeah. So probably rolled for a little while, I guess. And then Anthony Johnson, cornerback out of Virginia. Now, don't be confused. There was also an Anthony Johnson Jr. went to Iowa State, got drafted by the Packers in the seventh round. He's a safety. This is a cornerback. So if you're trying to look up his stats... Uh, make sure you're looking for the one out of Virginia. It's a pretty common name. And then the last one we know about was Jerron Cage, defensive tackle out of Ohio State. you got to have at least one Ohio State guy. Right? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the end of the list as it is for now. I think they have a couple more spots available. If they want to bring some folks in, I think they're probably going to save one of those spots to sign a tight end. Not sure who it's going to be. But, yeah, that, that's what we know about so far. So I had to look it up, like I said, with Davenport here. It's one of the 14 residential colleges of Yale University. Hmm. So it is in the Northeast. Well, it's a residential college at Yale. It doesn't mean it's in – what state is it in? Is it yeah. in Connecticut? Uh, who founded Yale? New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> uh, it is in New Haven. Hey. That's crazy. I went to college in New Haven. <laughs> like, literally, you don't even know, you know I went to it. college in this city, and I didn't know this place existed. <laughs> Think about that. But so, congratulations to Nick Anderson. So they're mining it. They're mining deep for this guy. But, yeah, go ahead. That, that was the guy that – uh, Mike Dettelier said that may go seventh round, may get a late draft pick. Um, Undersized. He, he was he was so good at Tulane. Yeah. Uh, their defense was so stout for most of the season. And he wins, right? Like, yeah. He, it's always good to bring in guys from a winning culture. That's why the Saints look at team leaders, right? Right. Going back to the Saints draft, guys, was there any pick that 
kind of took you back by surprise or maybe a, a, the, a move that the team did? I, I wouldn't say I was really surprised by the trade of Troutman. Uh, it just – it definitely kind of – you know, it took me back a little to go, oh, wow, you know, it was a, a mentioned as a need going into this draft, that position, but they were definitely willing to part ways with a quote-unquote, I guess, Sean Payton guy. The only move that surprised me was the fact they didn't make a move in the first two rounds. In the rounds. first two rounds, okay. I, mean, I thought they would be a little more aggressive. I mean, the NF, there, there was a record set. There's 43 trades in this draft. It's the most ever. I think the previous record was 40. So, I mean, you look at it like, okay – they were unable to make anything happen in the first few rounds. Why? I think it, the like when there's that many trades on the board, it gets expensive because everyone's looking at the last trade and saying, "Well, we got to you got to beat that, right?" Um, and so I do think that did hurt the Saints a little bit. And again, we, we go back and I think they wanted Miles Murphy at 29. If they could have got him when when the Bengals got on the clock, they said that they there was two players on the board they were they were unhappy with. But again, I think. Miles Murphy made more sense because I think you could have got a defensive tackle in the second round. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't hate any of their picks. I don't think there's any to hate. You know, I know a lot of people gave them grief over the Nick Saldaveri pick, but again, I think that's more about like, like, I'm sure people complained about Jari Evans uh, out of Bloom, Bloomstown. What's what Bloomsburg? Bloomsburg. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, that pick worked out pretty well, didn't it? You know, <laughs> like the Arkansas Pine Bluff mining expedition worked out pretty well, didn't it? Arkansas Pine Bluff kind of sounds like a mine, like a diamond mine in itself. Uh, anyway, so, you know, I'm not going to hate it. I'm not going to hate it. They did what I always complain about them not doing is they <laughs> filled needs. Seemed like, you know, they were definitely going down the sheet and saying, what do we need? Check. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's, you know, people, everyone's saying how great the Eagles draft was. And it's like all the Eagles did. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Was pick Georgia <laughs> players. Like, and then they traded for a Georgia player. They traded for DeAndre Swift. Like, right. Like, oh, my goodness. It's like they just, like, put the draft on Sim. And they were just like, okay, put all the Georgia players near the top. We'll see what happens. Like, we didn't want all of them. What the heck? You know, it's like if you do a fantasy draft and you're not there and you rank all your players and you end up with tight end, tight end the first two rounds. Like, I just wanted one high. Yeah, between Philly, it's like Alabama on offense and Georgia on defense. Yeah, I remember once I did that, I ended up with Jimmy Graham and Vernon Davis as my first two picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out well. But, yeah, no, I, I – I wanted a defensive tackle. I wanted a defensive end. That's exactly what they got. And when the second that happened, I was like, okay, the rest is gravy. Yeah, I, I can't really think of a single pick that really shocked me. Maybe Sal DeVere, but I, I think it works out. It's because you don't know him, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, Old Dominion. Right, who's watching Old Dominion football? Right. <laughs> I, I mean, because there were a lot of players still left on the board at the start of the first round. Yes. Like, we were talking about before the draft started. We were like, oh, which guy will they take? And then they just kind of come out with Saldaveri, but they obviously like his positional versatility, playing multiple spots on the offensive line. So it makes sense. I, I outside of that, maybe trading into the fourth round for Jake Hayner yeah. was a little surprising. Um, because well, you the, feel like you might be able to get him if you guy. waited until the fifth round, right. right? They wanted their developmental guy, so they went out and got him. I, yeah, nothing really shocked me. Plus, and I said this from the beginning, I expected them to trade those seventh round picks. It's exactly what they did, right? Like they didn't, they had no interest in picking the third from last in the draft. Like this is a team that clearly yes. prefers to spend this that time going after UDFA's, and that's exactly what they did. They didn't do exactly what I expected in that they traded all four for an extra fourth, but they kind of did that. I mean, they ended up getting an extra sixth. The move that I think shocked me the most was honestly not from the Saints. It was what we were just talking about, the DeAndre Swift trade. Yeah. A 2025 fourth-round pick and then a seventh-round pick swap for a guy that's really productive in the NFL. He's just got some injury concerns, obviously, and the running back position is devalued, but yeah. still, that felt like a steal for Philadelphia. Well, the second – yeah, and I mean, it's, they should have tried to make that trade prior to 
to the draft. That's the thing is, you know, I don't, maybe the Lions weren't confident they'd get Jameer Gibbs, but they were gonna, if they were always going to draft him at 12, <laughs> then you they should have been, right. been pretty confident. I mean, I guess they <laughs> traded into 12. They didn't have 12 initially. They had 6 and uh, 18 prior. But still, I, I think if you trade DeAndre Swift prior to the draft, you get a better deal oh, absolutely. because once you draft Jameer Gibbs, everyone's like, "What are you doing, DeAndre? You know, you want you want to you want to pass him along, and at a, you're not going to get the type of offers you would have got, and that's what happened. But at the same time, it's probably like, "Oh, hey, Philly, <laughs> we hear you like the Georgians. <laughs> we have uh, Brian in Mid City on the line. He's got a fan of the Jake Hayner pick. How you doing today, Brian? Yeah, uh, the more I read about this pick, the more excited I get about it. Really. He was picked at just the right time. It seemed to be well worth trading up to get essentially what is the Saints developmental guy of choice. Because mm-hmm. of all the, the late-round quarterbacks, this one is definitely uh, the best fit for the Saints. Uh, it's easy to see how he can fit right into Pete Carmichael's scheme. Uh, he seems to be you know, a Pete Carmichael type of quarterback. And you know, people mentioned how he's... Uh, He's an alum from Fresno State, just like Derek Carr. But what some people don't know is that he's already been talking to Derek Carr. They're already friends. You know, I think Derek Carr wanted him here, too. Yeah, they Uh, they have pictures together. Uh, I was going through some file photos of Jake Hayner, and Derek Carr's in those pictures. Uh, So, yeah, they they definitely know each other. That's that's a rare situation. And, you know, when you can grab a developmental quarterback who has familiarity with – someone who's in-house and, and fits your offensive scheme, and you get them late round, it, it, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it, it's an incredible value pick. That's what Dennis Allen said and, as well. He you know, agreed it, that it was value. You know, it's funny. The Saints aren't even the only team to do that, and I, I want to get into more in, uh, on Jake Hayner when we get back. Thanks for the call, Brian. The Rams did that, too, almost identically to what the Saints did. They took Stetson Bennett, yeah. and, they're te- and they're teaming him up with – Matt Stafford, both Georgia guys. It, it's clearly like a, a couple trend, teams right. felt like that was something that was worth doing. So that's interesting. He's extremely smart. He's highly competitive. His decision-making and processing uh, is outstanding. He throws the ball with timing and accuracy. And, look, we, we had, uh, you know, RC and DJ had a chance to work with him at the Senior Bowl, and, and so we had a little bit of insider information about the player and, and uh, you know, felt like he was – type of guy that we could bring in here, be behind uh, Derek and Jameis and, and get a chance to grow and learn and felt like it was a good you know prospect to try to develop. Yeah, so what, what DA is talking about there is what I was going to bring up is, you know, when you're talking about Jake Hayner and you're questioning, okay, did the Saints draft the right quarterback? It's like, well, they know what they're getting, it, more so than many other years because Ronald Curry was the, was the offensive coordinator for Jake Hayner's team at the Senior Bowl. DJ Williams was the quarterback's coach, Saints assistant, uh, at the Senior Bowl. So, I mean, this year, more than any other year, you got a really good look under the hood for that week out in Mobile. And, you know, we talked about how much of an advantage that was for a team that does draft a lot of players out of the Senior Bowl. He was the MVP of the Senior Bowl, right? So I think that's, you know, when you, we hear a lot about like, oh, I can't believe they didn't draft this guy. Well, I can guarantee you they took the top quarterback that they wanted there. I think it's obviously amusing, too, that you have a guy, you have all this insight on, you like him, and it's from the same alma mater as your current QB. Doesn't seem there's that. There's no lack of information. No, and there's right. not that animosity maybe or like you're kind of yeah, worried friends. about this guy coming in, taking your job kind yeah, of deal. Absolutely not.
we're back here for another segment of our special draft recap show with myself, Jeff Nowak, alongside Steve Geller and Charlie Long. If you haven't subscribed yet, this is Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to do that. Leave a rating, leave a review, and who dat? Hope you enjoy it. We're not jazz festing, but we are draft festing. Actually, that's that's a wrap. We are Uh, now recapping the draft festing. We think we retire that line. The draft fest? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, it's a draft recap. Oh, re- draft fest recap. There you go. Sorry, he went for it. He went for it. He, you know, he, he I was, took it. I was he, feeling it, yeah. and then you just kind of <laughs> shot me down. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You know, we all make mistakes. But we are recapping the draft and leading off one of our favorites from down under. Tony in Australia. How you doing, mate? What's up, man? G'day, Steve, Jeff, and Kelly. How you going? I give, I give the draft sort of an A minus. Okay. I like the offensive tackle. I like the quarterback. And... I like the mafia, the running back. Can, can you say the quarterback's name? I want to hear what he sounds like in an Australian accent. Jay Kanger. There it is. There yeah. it is. Uh, well, so, well, what time is it there, Tony? Ten uh, past two Monday morning. Man, I appreciate the dedication. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, what was your favorite pick of the draft? Probably the the quarterback, followed by the offensive tackle and and the wide receiver. No, I agree with that. Yeah, and and I think you know that uh, very one of the things that Dennis Allen pointed to for him is, uh, you know, he could be a tackle down the road. And I think we talked about this with Cesar Ruiz, right? He was a center that can play guard, right? We talked James Hurst plays tackle. He can kick into guard. And I think that when you have a whole host of players who can do that, it makes your life a lot easier on the offensive line because you don't have to carry a backup at every single position, right? Like, you don't want to have to carry a backup center, because at least not on game days, right? Like, you might have one in the wings who you could bring in if you need them, but at, but dur- on game days, you have a limited number of active players, and having Cesar Ruiz there, who you know if McCoy cover. goes down, yeah. he can shift over, and you can carry an extra wide receiver. You can carry an extra safety. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's value there, especially because your safeties can all play in multiple spots. Your cornerbacks can kick in a nickel. Your you know, your linebackers can all play all three spots. I think that's when you're a team that likes to disguise your coverages and you like to move people around, that is so valuable. So Tony gave it an A minus, right? Yeah. And I think we'll probably get into our draft grades overall, yeah. like what what you guys do it. But I think I think A minus is pretty close to what I give it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about like, Sal very just wanted plus. to get into some of the things he had to say after getting drafted. So here's some audio from the fourth round pick uh, after getting selected 103rd overall. I'm an offensive lineman at the end of the day. I'm not in one box. I don't play tackle, guard, center. Like, I play it all. And I take pride in that. I take pride in having the ability to do that because it's not easy. Everybody can't do that. Um, so I take pride in it for sure. I think I have a lot of, like, strong points in my game, like my feet, my anchor strength, my hands. And versatility is kind of just one focal point that kind of separates me from everybody else. Nick, at the, at the Senior Bowl, what were your conversations like with the Saints? What are some of the things they said they liked about your game? Yeah, so I think what they liked was my football IQ and my mental ability. Like, sit down, go through film, and learn some plays from the Saints and have that, have my, like, have me recite my job and this assignments for everybody back to the coaches. And then that was one meeting. And then another meeting was kind of just getting to know me as a person and my background and everything. And we meshed well. And just, it was good, good energy that we had going on. And I could tell that they liked me for sure. And I definitely liked the people that I was meeting with as well. That was Saints' fourth-round pick, Nick Saldaveri out of Old Dominion. Uh, listed as an offensive tackle, but as you heard right there, he's got that versatility to play up and down this offensive line, which 
we know position versatility is so so key on this Saints squad. And yeah, when you're dealing with a ton of injuries on the O line, that's going to be helpful as well. One thing that I always get a kick of when we're when the Saints are drafting and they take a player that you like isn't the common name that everyone's looking at, right? Like everyone knows Anthony Bradford, everyone knows Chandler Zavala, and they take Nick Saldaveri and. The, the critique that I always see and find funny is like, man, I can't believe they took this guy over this guy as if, like, the Saints just forgot that that guy was on the board and they took the guy who they had a lower grade. It's like, no, I guarantee you that they had a higher grade and they had a better scouting profile <laughs> on Nick Saldaveri than they had on the guys left on the board. And whether you agree with that or not is one thing, but they didn't just make a mistake and draft this guy. They scouted this guy. They like this guy. And they went up and got him because they were concerned that if they sat and waited at 115, he would not be available. And so, like, I have no issue with them taking a chance on a guy if they've done their due diligence. And that's what they did. So, like, I'm not going to hate a pick just because I don't know his name. Right? Like, that's what I wish more people would do is just, like, take a step back before you tweet, man, this was a terrible pick. And be like, okay, what is the vision here? And I think the vision is premium depth at a position that you needed depth at, which is behind Andres Pete. Although he is a he is a right-handed guy, he'll probably be backing up Caesar Ruiz, and that means I think you're going to work James Hurst in at the left guard spot and be that backup for Andres Pete. But either way, you have much needed depth at the guard spot, and I'm happy about that. No, you mentioned that you know folks getting obviously upset if they don't take their guy the Saints don't take their guy and we saw that happen I feel like when the Eagles landed Nolan Smith at at the end of the first round it was like well why did the Saints get him it's not like they just forgot like it wasn't a mistake well it doesn't fit their scheme just because that was your guy doesn't mean he was the Saints guy And, and I think that's important to remember yeah, Saldaveri mostly played right tackle, but I mean, if he can play anywhere on the right side, or Jeff, you're saying maybe on the left side, I think they more kind of see him on the right side yeah. with right guard or right tackle. I mean, Ryan Ramchek was dealing with a lot of injury issues this past season as well. So, and Mike Dettelier has said multiple times, offensive line is the position that gets injured the most. So having good depth at, the, at that spot is, is really important. I do think also people underestimate the difficulty of – well, you've played at right guard, you've played at right tackle your whole life, and they're like, oh, well, he can just play left guard. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it is not that simple. Think about all the things you do. Like, if you if just you, inverse it. Right. Yeah. You, you use your cell phone with your right hand. Suddenly, try to spend your entire day typing in your cell phone with your left hand. It is not that simple. Some people are ambidextrous, and that's great. That's <laughs> not. It is not easy to do. And so, like, I've seen, I think James calls in all the time and says, oh, they should just move Spencer Trevor Penning, Spencer Penning, Trevor Penning to right tackle. You like me now with names. Right. And I was like, no, he's played left tackle his whole life. Like, sure, maybe he can move over to the right side of the line, but what if he's significantly less effective on the right side than he is on the left side? You're just going to move him there because you don't think he's good enough to play left tackle? Like, that's not how it works. He needs to get better at left tackle. And I think that's the same thing with, with Nick here is you want to make sure that he is efficient at his comfortable position before you make him do anything uncomfortable. And I think that's why you're going to have him stick on the right side of the line. And yeah. then maybe, you know, you go down the road and suddenly it's like, yeah, he can. Like, uh, Ryan Ramchek as a rookie, he moved all around the line. And that was great. And that's one of the reasons everyone looks at him as like, wow, what a great pick. Um, and so we'll see, what, we'll see what Nick has. We, we feel good about what we were able to accomplish over the last three days. You know, we felt like we had a lot of quality players that fit what we're looking for. Uh, and, and they filled some, some of the needs that we had on the team. Saints head coach Dennis Allen talking about the Saints Hall in this year's draft class. Want to hear from you, Houdat Nation, your thoughts, uh, expectations heading into training camp. Well, actually, rookie minicamp will be coming up first. And, yeah, I mean, pretty soon, guys, we'll be talking about rookie minicamp, OTAs, 
Saints training camp. We're just around the corner. And I, oh, actually, there was news this morning. The NFL draft will be getting released, I believe they said the May schedule. 11th. The, the schedule. schedule. Yeah. I was what did to say, I just say? What are you talking about? You said the draft. Yeah. The draft. The NFL schedule will May be released. 11th. May 11th. May right. 11th. You know, oh, let's talk about Kayshawn for a couple <laughs> minutes here. You know, Kayshawn Booty dropped to the sixth round. I, I, I was pretty confident after seeing him at his pro day. Yeah huffing and puffing after running like six routes and I was like ah if I'm a scout watching this there's no way there's no way because I see a guy who put up terrible numbers at the combine had a really rough final season granted you know he's coming back from the injuries and you give him credit for that but you know the the burst wasn't there jumps 28 and a half on the vertical jump which is crazy then doesn't try even try to improve on it at his pro day doesn't run in a 40 after going four five and then like his other one was a four seven five and it's like oh this is just not a good look and what I I saw that and I was like, if I'm a scout watching this, no way, no way. And he's never been good in an interview, so I'm sure he's not blowing people away with his enthusiasm and yeah. and what what you know. And so he goes in the sixth round, and it is interesting because you look at a guy like At Perry is another guy who goes in the sixth round who probably deserved to go a little higher. And I think what happens is you run out of guys you have grades on when you're getting later in the draft. And Bill Belichick was at LSU's Pro Day in person. He got a really good look. And when you watch Kayshawn move around, you can see the talent. You can see the ability. It's just like, is he going to put in the work? right? And I think what happens, you get in the sixth round, you get in the seventh round, and you're not just drafting guys. You're not just going after guys because they're interesting. You're going after the guys you scouted. Like A.T. Perry said, Cody Burns was at his Pro Day. They, They spoke, the Saints wide receivers coach, Cody Burns talked with him at the combine. They had information on him. It wasn't just a shot in the dark. It wasn't just throwing a dart at the board with your eyes closed. And I imagine that's the same thing that happened with the Patriots. He was probably one of the few guys left that they had a grade on, and they were like, well, this guy is talented. We know it's there. We just have to tease it out of him. And that's why you end up going to the Patriots. So hopefully, like I said earlier, that's a chip on his shoulder. Hopefully he's not just looking at that like grumpily, like, oh, man, I can't believe that. Hopefully he's like, they doubted me, and now I'm going to put in the work to prove that they were wrong, or at least this Patriots were correct for taking a chance on me. And that's what I question with Kayshawn. Like, I think when you hear from AT, you kind of get the, the impression that he is going to use that as motivation. Hopefully, Kayshawn does the same thing because I want him to be successful. I I don't like trashing the kid for not working hard and not living up to his potential, but that's what's happened. He could have been a first-round pick. That's crazy to or see at that least ball. A day the year, two he pick. was projected to be one. Right. right. He should have been at least a day-two pick, even, even late third round. If it's like, okay, he struggled. He's coming back from injuries, but you can see it. The reason he's a sixth-round pick is because he didn't even bother to get into shape for his pro day. He did right, not the do the work in the offseason. And that's what you hate to see is guys wasting talent. You know, you're talking about A.T. Perry, the sixth-round pick, number 195 overall after that trade with Denver. Here's what he had to say after getting picked by the New Orleans Saints. I saw your uh, your tweet that the Saints won't regret this. Why won't they regret it? I was expecting to go higher, but um, it was some minor stuff that got in the way of that. So, uh, But, hey, I'm here now. I'm happy that you guys took me, and I hope it make a big impact on the field. Are you able to say what some of the minor stuff was that impacted things? I mean, they, they said it was some, like some character stuff, which hmm. kind of can confuse me. But uh, uh, there's nothing that I can do about that. Or, you know, just saying the past is the past. Let's, let's get this going. So putting that aside, what should fans know about A.T. Perry? Hey, I'm a playmaker. I'm a baller. I love football. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about my position. And uh, I just, you know what I'm saying, like I just want to come and make a difference. You know what I'm saying? Set the tone um, and be there for the team. So. This album was quick to praise about being big body, making the contested catches, something that 
the Saints, you know, were lacking a lot last year. Just what makes you so so strong at that? I'll probably say my creativity, you know what I'm saying? Just reading defenses and, you know what I'm saying, making adjustments when it comes to, you know, running routes, stuff like that. Just seeing different things um, while I'm on the field. You know what I'm saying? Just, I just go out there and see what I see and just make plays. That's Saints new wide receiver, A.T. Perry, 6'3", 205 pounds, nice big body. Yeah. Uh, we talk about the uh, being able to high point a ball, going up to get it. Uh, just really curious, though, he mentions those character issues, and that's so unfortunate for a guy that I- I've searched online and uh, you know I haven't seen anything pop up at all. But for that something like that to hurt your draft stock, obviously, when it's been fabricated or something that's not even true, just I can't even imagine how frustrating that can be for someone. Yeah. So first things first, he did. He was holding a, a like a, a young pa- child yes. <laughs> during that interview. In case you were wondering why there was a bit, little baby sounds, he said during our interview that he had twin daughters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then they're obviously very young. But when you talk about character, it, it's it's interesting. It's a little different than in the, in the NFL draft than it is in like everyday life, right? It's a grade more so than anything else. And I think a lot of times you're kind of talking about multiple elements. Like we're talking about with Kayshawn, your your work ethic is part of your character grade. Like we're not always talking about like, okay, getting into trouble off the field or wh- he didn't get along with his teammates or, or whatnot. It's a lot of times it's like, okay, did he do the work in the offseason to get in shape? And that's part of your character grade, right? Yeah. And, and I think at, at certain points, once you get below a certain line and it's aggregate, you get below a certain line and then it's like, that's a red flag. And a lot of teams will say, nope, you're coming off my board. Right, like a lot of times for the for uh, Mike Boff from the Saints uh, national scout, when he was talking to Mike Detillier and Mike Haas prior to the draft, he said, "There's red cards that go up on the board, and if you have a red card, you are not getting drafted at any point, and it's for whatever reason. A lot of times it's health, like that's come you come off the board, and in certain cases it's like there's just this kind of aggregate number of things that work against you, and you and you get knocked down." And I think that's what happened with AT, and hopefully that's not true. Hopefully it is much ado for nothing, um, but teams are investing in you. And if they, consi- they kind of label you as a concern for one reason or another, you get knocked down. And so hopefully he can buck that. Not a concern. The amount of touchdowns that guy catches the last two years, what was it, 27, 28? Yeah, yeah in two seasons. Yeah, but he was incredibly productive. Jeff, I really enjoyed the clip that you posted on Twitter of him just oh, getting yeah, yeah, mauled yeah. by the Clemson defensive back. And then at the very end of that, after he makes the catch like over the shoulder when he's getting like pulled down he doesn't by this even DB. He, no, he doesn't at all. But I love seeing the Clemson DB like saying that he pushed off. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Dude, you were holding him the <laughs> right. whole way. He's literally getting attacked yeah. by this guy <laughs> the from the top of the like, route. for a flag after he just gets owned by A.T. Perry. It's no, and, great. I, and, that's, and I posted that clip because, you know, we talked to Dennis Allen at the end of last season, and one of the things that he was very clear about was, like, we need a contested catch receiver. That is something we did not do. And obviously Michael Thomas is as good as it gets but. at the contested catch. <laughs> But he was off the field. He didn't have anybody. And right. that's what I think the Saints were looking at in this pick. Is like This is a guy who can fill that role, even if he, he's on the practice squad next year. You know, If you need him for a couple games and, and you need a guy who can be that guy, especially in the red zone, I think that's important. He's definitely my number one guy I'm looking forward to for training camp. Oh, so yeah. he can battle oh, yeah. it out and make that roster. Next, Emmanuel Butler. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, don't we don't. Out. <laughs> we don't want any training camp superstars. Yeah, right. But yeah, that that I mean, as you well know, that happens where guys end up shining during those training camp sessions, and then somehow even disappear come preseason games. You're like, wait a minute, where is all this that we've been seeing on the field all this time? And sometimes it just doesn't translate. Yeah, the funny thing is, Emmanuel Butler actually did play well in the preseason games. He caught a touchdown for Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> against the Jets, I think it was. And it was like, oh man, he's the future. And then he just disappeared. I think he's in the XFL or USFL, right? 
Yeah, I, I doubt it. I, I mean, I haven't heard from him. No, um, but I think that's a good example of like you don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. Is the guy putting in the work? Right, like you see it on the field, and a lot of times the athleticism in camp can outshine maybe not necessarily doing the work behind the scenes and doing the the self scouting. Right, we talk about Isaiah Foskey, and one of the things that Dennis Allen said about him is not only was his character grade good, his character grade was so immaculate that they didn't even really have to do a lot of scouting in person. Like DA said, he didn't even really have to go interview him that much. Just watch the tape. Yeah, it's like all I had to do was watch the tape because we were like, there's zero questions about his character, and I think that makes it a lot easier to draft you. And, you know, these kids coming through college, it's like you need to consider that. Is You know, obviously there's stuff you can't change and there's stuff about your background that you can't do anything about, but you can do you make an effort to present yourself in a way that teams are going to be like, this is a guy we want on our roster. So the reason the Saints draft a lot of team captains, right? That means something to the right. Saints. And they're not the only team that can say that. Yeah, you know, you're mentioning Foskey. He was definitely someone who was very impressive sounding in his uh, post-draft interviews with the media. Here's the what the 40th overall pick out of Notre Dame had to say. This is the one time I wanted to go to that talked to me a bunch. I just fell in love with them. Yeah, we saw the the video of you getting picked, and you you kind of stood up, and like uh, Marcus Freeman just told us, it was like you flipped the switch, and you're just the intensity just came out. Can you just explain that moment a little bit? It was just like emotion. You can't you can't bottle in. You can't. You just gotta let it go. That's what happened. That's just family all around me. It's just I don't know. Like in that moment, you just gotta do what you had to do, and I just stood up. Got like I was about to run through that TV. I was like, I'm ready to go right now. Uh, you mentioned that this is a. Team that you've, you've spoken to quite a bit. I know you went to the Senior Bowl. Did y'all have other conversations all throughout? And did you have a feeling that this might be on the way? It's- yeah, so I, I met with them during a the pro day, doing a lot of uh, film work with them. Met them in the, uh, at the Combine, talked with them a bunch, did a whole bunch of Zoom meetings with them. So this is a team I talked to so much, fell in love with them, loved the coaches, started talking to them a lot. And just the vibe of the whole team is New Orleans, man. I just I, this is like the team I wanted to go to. I kept telling everybody, I want to go to this team. This is the team I want to go to. What was it that stood out to you that made you identify the Saints as the team you wanted to go to? Just I wanted to be underneath a not underneath, but like working with a vet like Cam Jordan. That's the guy that I feel like that's the that's the Hall of Famer type of guy, and I can learn from him. Be a sponge and soak it all in, but like compete at the same level as him. I can be trying to go on the other side of him or be him. So that was like the biggest thing I wanted to do: be underneath a vet, be with the vet. And New Orleans was a great thing. Yeah, Cam Jordan right there. Does it mean something extra to you that they've used their first two picks to get defensive linemen? Defense means something here? Yeah, it definitely does. I want to go on a team that is defense and D-line pretty much oriented. Since the first pick with Brian Breesey, me and him is going to be dominating the, uh, the front seven. So that's great. That's Notre Dame defensive end. Well, former Notre Dame defensive end, Isaiah Foskey, now a New Orleans Saint. 11 sacks in back-to-back seasons for the for the Irish. We we hope he can duplicate that kind of production coming on the Saints defensive line. You know, we, we haven't had that guy opposite of Cam Jordan really, I feel like, since Junior Gallette. You know, we, you talk about the sacks, and I'm not even looking at the sack numbers. I know he's going to be productive. I know he's going to be able to chase down quarterbacks in the open field. The numbers that stand out to me, and I was just, we were just talking to Charlie uh, about this, is six forced fumbles in 2021. He had another one this past season. That's in awesome. Four Four blocked punts, and for a team that couldn't turn the ball over for the life of them last year, I mean, I like to see that. Production, production, production. Yeah. For the people that think that we reached for Isaiah Foskey, this is a guy that they fell in love with his tape. As uh-huh. we said, there are no character concerns whatsoever. So they just watched his tape. They saw what he could do. He gets pe- a bunch of pressure. He can strip the ball. He's really 
Like, and he's going for strips. He's he's actively trying to, as he puts it, create havoc. The tape is just excellent yeah. on this guy. Anyone that, that, that thinks we reached, I don't agree. You I know, think it was a great pick. Saints have that great rotation. Obviously, you have like uh, Tano Passano, Carl Granderson uh, in the mix. Obviously, Cam Jordan starting. And now, if Peyton Turner can get his, I hope this lights a fire. Under yeah, Peyton exactly. Right. And if you have. Foskey and Turner producing for you at that end position. It could be really, really uh, hell up front for other offensive lines going into next season. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I thought you might have been going to a clip there. I couldn't tell you had that look in your eyes. But no, I, I think I scared the board off too. I think the the interesting Cullen was thing like, with, "What are you doing?" The interesting thing with Foskey too is, and Dennis Allen said this. He's a he is a developmental pass rusher. Those are the words he used, and and he says that in a complimentary way. Like, he's not saying, oh, he's not good enough. He's saying, you know, this is a guy who has the Notre Dame program record for sacks, sacks. Yep. and we still think he he has a ceiling that he can reach. You know, he's not at where he – he's not at his ceiling as a pass rusher. He has a lot to learn, and he's going to sit – he's going to go under Cam Jordan's wing, and he's going to learn all these moves and counter moves that, that he might not have as a, in his arsenal right now. And you always want to see that. Like, you don't want to draft a guy who's playing at his ceiling at his ceiling in the draft. You want to draft a guy who has room to grow, and that's what they see in him. You can tell he's coachable, too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, just, yeah. just based off his personality. This oh, is yeah. a guy that's going to take coaching, and he's going to soak everything up like a sponge. And, you know, the ceiling is super high on him. Like, he already had all the production in college. Now you go to the NFL level, yep. you're getting NFL coaching, you're learning from some great NFL talent. He's I, I'm I'm so excited for this pick. This is the pick that Bobby was really fired up about. I'm the same. I really, really am excited for Isaiah Foskey. I mean, if if you listen to the Inside Black and Gold, like I've been talking about this kid in the second <laughs> round for months, and I'm just glad that it's like like validated, right? Well, it's like if you were wondering whether I was just full of it, like <laughs> clearly the Saints saw the same things I did. Long arms, athletic. The other thing Dennis Allen pointed out, and this is something the Saints really needed to do, was get more athletic at the end positions. They didn't want to sacrifice size, but they did need someone who could get in the open field and chase down a quarterback, and that's what they got in this. And uh, Isaiah Foskey. You know, we, we've been going through some of these players and our reactions to the picks. The Brian Brze pick at twenty nine. Uh, definitely filled that need. Uh, we heard from him, great character player, and hoping that that early production, I guess, from his college career can, you know, translate now. Obviously, after having what was it, shoulder, and what was the other injury? Do you know offhand? Uh, I believe it was a knee, no. shoulder, knee, and I know he had the issue, a terrible issue with strep throat that caused. Yeah, the illnesses are weird. Like it's like, do you count that against the guy? Uh, like he had a kidney infection, but that's like like I don't know how. That... And yeah, I'd never heard of like a kidney infection happening from strep throat, and I, that, I, that caused yeah, him I mean, to miss. But the, either some way, time. it's like I'm not. Worried no, you about... can't. You can't really. I mean, it's not like an aggregate thing. Like usually, you clear that up and it's done. But I mean, I I guess it just goes back to an availability thing. Like, are you going to be impacted by stuff? And I don't know. I like I I'd like to see him work. I want to hear from him. I want to get to interview him in person and see how he operates. Because um, I think that's like when you when you're talking about a guy acclimating to the NFL it's always a question you know does the work he did in college translate does his work ethic translate and you know you get to you really get to see that um you know working mini camp OTAs mandatory mini camp and uh, like a guy who I think shined in all of those sessions last year and a guy that I think there was a lot of questions about in the second round last year was Alante Taylor and instantly hmm. you could see and hear that this is a kid who is ready to to work at an NFL level. He's doing all of the 
behind the scenes work and you can tell just by hearing him talk he's not faking anything he's doing the work and you saw that when he got on the field he was ready and he was very impressive and so I think you do learn a lot from those those that whole process it was an ACL tear for yeah. Brissy back yeah. in 2021 so. okay yeah and like we were saying I, I can't and I wouldn't hold the, an illness against uh, somebody, especially something that I don't think lingers no. and, and yeah. sticks with you kind of right. thing. Like, are you going to hold the fact that <laughs> Marshawn got a bruised kidney against him going forward? No. I mean, weird things happen, and uh, it is what it is. Uh, just want to draw attention to so the Oakwinhart Jeweler talking text line. Uh, he says, good morning. He says he loves our podcast, Inside Black and Gold. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. This is uh, 2575. He says, as far as the draft, I would have liked that they had picked up a linebacker or another tight end. Love the comments on the running back from TCU. He's talking about the, the Alvin Kamara thing. I'm Showed coming for number one, He's right. confident. Definitely confident. Um, and I think that's something we can get into is what positions of need are left because I think it's a good point. Linebacker and tight end, you did not address that in the draft. And you going into the offseason now, you have lost the tight end in Adam Troutman. You have lost the linebacker in Cade Nelson. You have thus far not replaced them with anyone but UDFAs. And we had another text about Nick Anderson and – you know, if you're a Tulane fan and you want to root for a hometown guy, I think he has a chance to make an impact on this roster. And we're back here for one more segment on Inside Black and Gold. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. We're going to get into a lot about the running backs, who was available when the Saints went with Kendry Miller. We're also going to give you some grades for the Saints 2023 draft class. Enjoy. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak and Charlie Long along with Cullen. Behind the glass, kicking everything, work on the commercial breaks and music. Hey, Cullen, have I ever told you you have a movie star name? You know, I uh, went to Tulane and graduated with a degree in film studies. Ah! So that's so. Did you change your name to, to Steel? Because it's like like Max Power, Cullen Steel. No, this is what my parents oh, said. A lucky <laughs> guy, lucky guy. That is great, Cullen Steel. It is. It sounds yeah. It sounds very very serious. Yeah, it's like a like a Action James star. Bond arc yeah. going or on. a draft pick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. If the Saints drafted Cullen Steel, it'd be like great name. Great name. Just need you to know that. Oh, getting into some of these picks. Uh, one of our texters going, Curiosity, when Saints picked running back Miller, was he the best available, or do you have others above him like Spears, Achievements, etc.? Yeah. He was the best on their board. Yeah, like, like we got into, like they drafted Kendra Miller because he's the guy they wanted. I do think it's interesting you look at who, who was on the board at when the Saints took Kendra at 71, and you know there are some interesting names. I know a lot of people would have liked Tajay Spears, but I think Kendra fit what the Saints wanted to do better. But again, is you're looking at like Tajay Spears, Devon A. Chain, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, Izzy Abanaconda, Chase Brown, Eric Gray, Evan Hollick. I think you could have made an argument for a lot of those guys. The argument I would make is, did you have to go running back in the third round? Right? And I wouldn't even say like, oh, were there better running backs available? It's like, were there better players available? Were there better options like a like, you know, an Adebaware or, you know, a Jalen Hyatt was on the board, right, if you wanted to really go big at wide receiver because I think you could have gotten into the fourth round. And I was a big fan of Evan Hull from the Senior Bowl. I was a big fan of Chase Brown. You could have got Roshan Johnson. Like, there were options, and they opted to go running back in the third round. So, like, I think if you're going running back at 71, he was the best available. I know Tulane fans will get mad at me, but um, just in terms of what the Saints want to do, they wanted that one-cut guy, that power guy, and that's what they got. 
it was a really deep running back class. It was. To your point, Jeff, they could have absolutely held off and maybe picked a running back in the fifth round. Or a round. tight end. Like, there were a lot they, of interesting tight ends. That's what I was about to say. They could have taken a tight end yeah. in the third round. Like, I think Tucker Craft was a guy that I really liked from yeah. South Dakota State. Yeah. He ended up going like seven picks later to, I believe, Green Bay. So there were a couple guys there in the third round if you wanted a tight end. Maybe even linebacker. There were some linebackers still on the board. Cam Latu, Darnell Washington. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Darnell Washington went in the late, I think the early late 90s. Third, late 30s. Yeah, yeah, he went to Pittsburgh. So there were some tight ends on the board at no pick doubt. 71 that they could have picked, but they liked Kendra Miller so much that they were just thinking, yeah. okay, we're going to make sure that we get our guy instead of drafting positional need and then realizing that, okay, we can still get a running back later. We like this running back so much, we're going to use this third-round pick, premium draft pick on him. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't like if, if you don't like Kendra Miller and you haven't watched his highlight tape yet, Go do that. Go check it out. It's impressive. <laughs> He's a stud. I get it. He played in the Big 12 and not playing elite defenses week in, week out. That dude is legit. And he talked about how he has Alvin Kamara's balance. And, um, you know, everyone like, rolled your eyes like, sure you do. Maybe Alvin Kamara's college balance, but that was still pretty elite. And he definitely, you know, if you, ha- if you had to grade him on, on his attributes, his balance would be near the top. You don't run for nearly 1,400 yards yeah. in a single season by accident. He carried like, that TCU team. He did. A lot of the season. Absolutely. A lot and of credit got given to Max Duggan. But Max if you're Duggan watching was fine. him, and he right. was. He was fine. But if you're watching TCU, the guy was Kendra Miller. Yeah, and I mean, like, they got, they got just boat raced by Georgia, which, you know, you shouldn't be stunned by that result. But I do think that game would have been a lot more competitive. Because I think he was the best player on that team. Agreed. You know, no, all due respect to Quentin Johnson, I think Kendra Miller was the best player on that team. Talking about his balance, his stats, all go, also a guy with a ton of confidence. Here's what Miller had to say to the media after getting drafted by the Saints with the 71st overall selection. Hey, it feels great. You know, I'm ready to get the word. You know, I can't wait to learn from Alvin. It's a big situation, you know, with the running backs or whatever. But uh, I'm ready to get the word, most definitely. And what do you know about uh, what the Saints like to do offensively, and how, how might that fit what you do well, Kendrick? You know, Alvin, he's a he's a great receiving back. You know me, I'm I'm just like you know like versatile. I'm 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 really you know ground and pound out of, out of backfield. So like we got we got two of the same you know uh, attributes. So. I really feel very confident, you know, what me and him do. Didn't get a lot of opportunities in that TCU offense to showcase your receiving skills, but do you feel like that's something if you're asked more to do at the next level, you'll be fine to handle? Most definitely, most definitely. You know, uh, with Max and, and our offense, you know, I, I, I really feel like my, my receiving bill is, you know, very underrated. But, like, with the Saints offense, they throw to the back a lot, especially with Alvin. So, like, I, I'll be, you know, a great fit for the offense. I know you had, you had the knee injury in the CFP game, and, and you weren't able to do the, the combine or pro day. Is everything good on that, and you feel like you'll be ready to go once the, the training camp rolls around and everything? Oh, yeah, most definitely, 100%. But uh, for training camp, OTAs, I'll be, I'll be kind of like, you know, uh, doing more dynamic things. But, like, training camp, 100% go. What's something that you think teams and maybe fans don't know about you that, they, that, that you want them to know, even though you didn't get to do all that athletic testing? They gonna they gonna pick somebody who's gonna talk that rock, who's gonna run really fast, really, really, really fast. Then everybody, <laughs> hey, everybody, I didn't feel like seeing that. But hey, watch the tape. We hey, we're gonna see during uh NFL season what I do. I love it. Watch the tape. You're gonna see what I do. Uh and yeah, when he came on He's got the, good tape. Yeah, when he came on the air after getting drafted on WWL with the guys, it was just when he said no offense to Alvin, but I'm coming for that number one spot. He doesn't like being a backup, Steve. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
you have to love to hear that. Obviously, just because of that that passion, that want. Uh, I don't I don't want anybody on my team that's like, well, yeah, I'm kind of happy being in the background, and I'll, I'll end up making my way to the head of the class. Yeah, there are words you can get from multiple players in this class like to kind of describe their game. Confidence like and violence yeah. for yes, Kendra Miller like are the that. two. And that's exactly what you want in a running back, right? So I am super excited for him as yeah. well. And so what you just mentioned uh, is uh, – well, what you mentioned to the, to the class. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, is – now, the Saints have been pretty effective when they do pull the trigger in the top three rounds. They don't do it very often. They don't Jeff. do it very often. So, you know, you go back to 2000, which is the year after they took <laughs> Ricky Williams, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh, so 2001, they took Deuce McAllister at number 23 overall. He was he was pretty good. Pretty decent pick, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I think he would tell well. you he was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Reggie Bush in 2006 at number mm. two overall. And then in 2011, they went Mark, Mark Ingram, Ingram. Mm-hmm. at number 28 overall and they did go fourth round in 2007 they did Antonio Pittman that was probably a miss right but big miss uh and since 2011 they have not drafted a running back in the first round uh but obviously you know the last 26 the last two running backs they took in the first round are number one and two on their all-time rushing list with Mark Ingram and Deuce McAllister so that's you know I think you, you would say that was pretty good investment and to me, just in general, the Saints have seemed to scout running backs really well. Yeah. Uh, we talked about even in the undrafted markets, they, they seem to find those little stashes, those finds. I would say they haven't in the last five, six years, and that's why you're looking at this running back room now and say, I think it's about time we invest another top three-round pick in a running back because Alvin Kamara is the last pick that in the top three rounds of the draft, and heck, the top five rounds of the draft at the running back position. They also took Boston Scott and Daniel Lasko. Right. They were, in, they were the sixth and seventh round picks. Lasco actually did make the roster. Boston Scott was cut and ended up on the Eagles. Still on the Eagles. He's been very good for them. Oh yeah. So then you have then you have Kendra Miller in uh, in the third. Well, that's round been part year. of the draft philosophy. They haven't spent premium draft capital on running backs outside of a couple years. But I think that, and it's been very valuable when right. they've done it. Yeah. Kendra Miller is the fifth guy that they've taken in the top three rounds since 2000. As yeah. you were mentioned, you mentioned Ingram, um, Bush. McAllister, Kamara, and now Kendra Miller. Yeah, that's a pretty good group pretty, to be joining. Pretty good list. You yeah. know that they really like this guy. I think he's going to be really impressive. Yeah, the, the downside you could say is that is the list. You would like to see them do it a little more, yeah, right? Um, but the upside is that's a heck of a list. Yeah, and then uh, you obviously you've taken if you stop at two thousand, then you don't have to talk about Ricky Williams. Yeah, <laughs> but heck, you know Ricky Williams, his issue wasn't talent. Right, like I mean, he had some really good seasons. Just too just laid a, just back. Just a head case. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I, I heard he definitely had like what the social anxiety disorder kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, like he, he's. It's all been very documented. If you haven't watched Run Wiki Run, you know, you should because it it really kind of gives you this really in depth uh, look at his his mind and his, you know. A little bit of a crazy person, but I'm a crazy person, so I identify with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see, like, you know, we were talking about what those draft picks that the Saints ended up giving away for, like, a Marcus Davenport didn't really turn into anything. I'm curious what all those picks that Washington got turned <laughs> it'd be, into. It'd be tough because there's <laughs> a lot of them. I know, but you look at it, did it really help the Washington commanders at all? Uh, uh, Redskins yeah, back I, then. I, that is not something I can look up during a break. <laughs> I, it would take, it'd take a good couple hours to really, to, uh, you know, hammer that one out. Well, guys, the Tulane Green Wave just tweeting out that tight end Will Wallace is heading to the Washington Commanders. So there's another undrafted rookie. Uh, what's that? Yes, hey. William Wallace. I, I am William Wallace. I'm William Wallace. <laughs> he is the commander. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's all right. Uh, so just another Green Wave uh, prospect heading off somewhere. And I know some Saints fans might be mad that, you know, the, the, that a need for tight end that they might have not brought in him in. But they did at least uh, bring in one uh, UDFA. Uh, and they've only signed 11. 
they had 14 roster spots, I believe. Okay. Or maybe 16 roster spots. So they have room to bring guys in. I think you're going to see them sign some folks. I was going to say, do you know much about the guy from Central Michigan, Joel Absolutely Wilson? Not. Yeah. I, I have not had the time to go through the UDF. Someone I definitely have I haven't but looked at the tape. Before of. we go here, we only have some time. I, sure. I think we, I want to go through some grades here and just get your overall grade on the draft. How you feel like this draft stacks up. Um, so why don't we start with Charlie? What, what would your grade be for this draft? You know, Tony had called in earlier and given it an A minus. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of around there. I think I'd probably say B plus overall, B plus to A minus. I'm very optimistic about it. You feel the need of defensive tackle with Brian Breesy. You get that edge rusher that's got so much production from college in Isaiah Foskey. Then you get the high upside pick with Kendra Miller in the third round, and then after that, you have the fourth round guys. You get a versatile offensive lineman with Saldaveri. You get a developmental quarterback with Hayner. You get a special teams guy with Howden, and then you get a high upside receiver with Perry. I'm kind of looking at this glass half full type of thing. I think that all these picks really are solid, and a lot of them could work out. I'm giving it a B plus A minus. Yeah, I'm, I'm that, in that same category. I got the solid B for this class. Just you filled. You're in uh, a B. Yeah, a lot of needs for this okay. for this. So team. that's lower than than. That's not the same. No, I said about the same. I mean, it's a B, so it's I not mean, a B plus. No one's giving this a D. So, I mean, the difference between a B-plus and a B is a pretty solid difference. I don't know. It's just hard to for me to even give out an A after just the, the draft. I'm not mad at you about it. I just think, no, you're, you're selling yourself short. I think you are. <laughs> you're not giving the same take. You're going lower. It's just, uh, to me, obviously, the first-round pick uh, has a lot to prove, yes. I think. Uh, Brze needs to be that uh, healthy guy for this roster. Obviously, the past... Uh, drafting all along the defensive line has me a little weary there, but uh, still obviously hopeful. And the rest of the draft, yeah, I think the Saints really did a great job of attacking it, and I guess really let it really let it come to them yeah. uh, kind of aspect. And were aggressive day three, which was awesome as well, seeing them go after what they wanted. Yeah, so solid B overall for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you know you still. I, I thought you were going to go higher. I, I might have <laughs> be too. And when I grade drafts, it, it's tough for me to be super optimistic right away. I want to see how things develop, and so I do think that when you draft on the need side of things, the way the Saints did right now, and you're not going for upside per se at some positions, the way you might have, especially at 29, and it really depending on okay, this injury bug is it was a college thing. It's not going to be an issue in the NFL. And then you end up, because you drafted for need in the first round, you're kind of locked in in the second round of, well, we do need an edge rusher. And so that's where I put it at a B, but I think it can improve, right? Like, my grade right now is a B, and that's not negative. That's just from everything I've seen and how it's going to affect the field this year. Whereas if Brzee is able to get on the field as a rookie and be effective, I'm going to bump that up to a B plus. If A.T. Perry ends up being a valuable contested catch guy I'll bump that grade up if Jordan Howden ends up being a valuable special teams guy I'll continue to bump that grade up and so I like the draft I like the draft but I do think there's a lot to prove with some of these guys all right that wraps it up for us here on this special post draft breakdown edition of Inside Black and Gold I'm Jeff Nowak you heard myself along with Steve Geller and Charlie Long I'd also like to give a special thanks to Cullen Steele who produced that great WWL Draft Fest special. If you want to listen to the whole thing, go check out WWL.com. If you haven't subscribed yet to Inside Black and Gold, make sure to do that. We're going to be coming back at you this week with a lot more post-draft content. I'm going to dive into the UDFA class. We'll hopefully get 
the rest of those names. I think there will be a few more signings coming at you. So we'll be back throughout the week, myself and Steve Geller, and I hope we can get Charlie Long on a few more of these episodes going forward because I think he did a great job. It was a lot of fun recording that episode again. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noah. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. And check out all of our latest content at WWL.com. You can catch up with Charlie every weekday on Sports Talk, 4 to 8 p.m. That's WWL AM 870, FM 105.3. And all of this content is always available on the free Odyssey app. Make sure to check it out. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Peace.